Amen. You know, it's a, it's a blessing. We do have some great small groups and uh, the connect groups that are, that are going to be starting up right after the first of the year. And um, we have sign-ups out in the, the Great Hall. And I hope that you will sign up, even if you're planning on going and have been a part of that, that connect group, if you'll go ahead and sign up again, we want to know who all's coming, okay? So uh, if you're planning on, if you're part of a group and you want to continue with that group, sign up. If you want to join a new group, sign up. If you haven't joined a group, sign up, okay? We want, we, we're, we're hoping to have 100% participation of our church in these connect groups. Because that's really where you're going to walk the walk and, and, and be in contact with people in a small group situation where we're going to learn from each other as iron sharpens iron. So plug in, be a part of it. It's available in the Great Hall. We'll have those out there between now and the end of this year. So uh, please sign up and, and be a part of that. Um, man, I, I think we need to bring the Grinch back. <laughs> Wasn't that great last week? It was fantastic. We had a great time. Um, and uh, I know... Uh, uh, God will use that in many ways, but uh, what, a, what a blessing it, it was to see so many people in God's house. And um, I'm going to be in the book of Luke this morning. And if you have your Bible, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And um, I've entitled this, this message, The Accounts of Hope. And, um, you know, sometimes we use the word story. Well, it's the, it's the Christmas story. Um, we, we use uh, the, the word story for a lot of things, and sometimes we, we somehow think that because we use the word story that maybe um, it's like a, a, a fable or a, a fairy tale or something like that. Um, and so this morning I, I hesitated on using that word story, and I wanted to, to call it an account. Because a lot of times we think about, you know, on the news we have someone's eyewitness account. And basically, they're talking about what was going on, what happened. And so these are accounts of hope that we're going to, to look at. And we're just going to camp out here. And I'm, as we move through the passage, I'll, we'll, we'll read the passage as we move through it. You know, quite a few years ago, Larry King was on David Letterman's show. And uh, Letterman asked King, he said, um, of all of the people throughout history, who would you most like to interview? And without hesitation, Larry King said this. He said, Jesus Christ. And he, he asked him, he said, well, well what, would you, what would you ask him? What would you talk to him about? As if he had been thinking about it, Larry King replied. He said, I would ask him, were you really born of a virgin? And there was kind of a holy hush fell over the crowd and David Letterman looked into the camera and he said, we'll be right back. But folks, that is the question. The answer to that question is the master key to history because, when we, we, because being born of a virgin means that Jesus really is the Son of God. And I, I love that because the Christmas Account, the Christmas story is, is a series of accounts. 
And they're truly multifaceted. And this morning, I just want to give you just a, a little bit of each one of these facets as we move through this passage. And hopefully you'll see what I'm talking about. And at the point where these accounts intersect, we see why God became flesh, why he became man and dwelt among us. I want to begin by reading just a few verses here out of Luke chapter 2, down through verse 3, and and we'll just begin there, okay? Uh, If you have your word, it's uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Loving Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for how it challenges us. I thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your word. Father, your word is truth. And I pray that we would believe your word. Father, that we would take you at your word. And Father, that we would just hear your word. And Father, that we would live your word. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you gave Jesus to us. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the first thing that we see here in this account is Caesar Augustus comes front and center. And why does Luke start off with Caesar Augustus? I would say probably for one reason. It's because Jesus lived in real time. Jesus lived in real time, and he is giving us where he is located in the time of Caesar. It's not some sort of fantasy. It's not a fable. This is a real historical account. And he's saying this is when it happened. And he points to a specific time in history. See, I believe that Luke started off because God was putting all of history together at this point for the purpose of bringing Jesus into the world. You know, Warren Wiersbe, he said it this way. He said, Caesar Augustus was ruling, but God is in charge. (laughs) I mean, God used Caesar's decree to move Mary and Joseph 80 miles from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem in order to fulfill his word. I mean, we think about it over in Galatians 4.4. It says... But when the fullness of time came, when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. (laughs) The fullness of time. God was, was creating events. He was orchestrating and in the fullness of time, that means, that, yes, the nine months that it would, it would take for the, the baby to come to term. But also, it's talking about the time, the fullness of time, when the time was just right for the King of Kings. God's timing, His kairos, His season, His timing. Now look at how the stage of history was laid out for the coming of Jesus. I mean, God prepared the language 
of the world. It was Alexander the Great who brought Greek, the Greek language to, to most of the known world. And, and Greek in and of itself is without a doubt the most rich and expressive language that has ever been in the history of man. It has so many different facets to it. And when you, when you, when you see that, you know, it's not any co- coincidence that this language was the predominant language of the New Testament. The same time that Jesus came and was born... This language was everywhere. The most expressive, the most rich language. See, God was preparing the language of the world. He was also preparing the thinking of the world. I mean, about 600 years before Jesus Christ, Greek philosophy reached its apex with Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. And the result of this philosophy was a skepticism. And a widespread uneasiness. And people had lots of questions. And they had questions that they didn't have answers to. But no one really was coming up with the answers. And at just the right time when humanity was searching and longing for truth. Christ came to answer the questions that they had. He came as truth to answer those questions. God was preparing the thinking of the world. God was also preparing the education of the world. I mean, great universities were built during the Roman Empire. And it was quite common for scholars to travel and to give lectures in cities. And the doors were open for the Apostle Paul to come and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, God prepared the Roman Empire. It was strong. It was a time of peace. Think about this. You've heard the phrase, all roads lead to Rome. Well, it was during this time that all of those roads had been built so that, so that when, when, when Christ came and his disciples began to proclaim the gospel, there were roadways to every city, to every place where the gospel could spread because God was preparing the Roman Empire. And I ask again, is this, all of this some sort of coincidence? No way. God was preparing. God prepared the way to Bethlehem. You see, only a Roman emperor could issue such a decree that would take Mary and Joseph from their hometown and lead them to the little town of Bethlehem in order to fulfill God's prophecy. Over in Micah chapter two, chapter 5, verse 2, it says, As for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for, for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Oh, think about that. From days of eternity this had been planned out. God was preparing the the situation, the circumstance, so that he could send his son to the earth. See, God was at work in history, preparing the time for Christ to come. I would say to you today, he's at work today, preparing for Christ's return. We read this. We understand. We're not reading a fable. We're not reading a folklore here. We're talking about historical facts. I mean, I wonder if Mary and Joseph 
could have seen how God was working in this decree. I mean, I doubt it. That they saw, that they knew on the front end. I mean, because we tend to leave, you know, to to lead, our, our human nature has to do with our circumstances. I imagine they were thinking, oh no, Mary's pregnant. She's great with child. How will she ever make this journey? I wouldn't want to embark on a journey with a pregnant woman 80 miles by by foot. You wouldn't either. I mean, I would imagine they were saying, God, why? Why now? I'll be the first to admit that there are times when Life doesn't make sense. And today, your corner of the world may be dark. It may be something like you are faced with like they were. A situation where it doesn't seem like anything good can come from it. And I don't want to minimize your situation, your circumstances. But I'm just saying... Look to Christ. Look to Christ. And somewhere soon, it will begin to make some sense about what God is doing in your life and how He is at work in your life. I mean, we see the story of Mary and Joseph. Read with me verse 4 and 5. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to to Judea, To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. It struck me that the marvelous thing about Mary and Joseph is their story shows how God wants to work through people like you and me. Ordinary people with ordinary problems. This account is a great reminder that God wants to work through people like us. I mean, in in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. You know, in all likelihood, Mary was a teenager. A teenager. I remember when I was 17 years old. When I was 17 years old, I remember distinctly God calling me into ministry. I wasn't obedient to that call for a few years. But I know that he called me at that point. We each know when he calls us. See, I believe and am convinced that God wants to do wonderful things in the lives of young people today. We see it all around us. We see him raising up a mighty army And this account reminds me that God works in the hearts of young people. 
We should not discount that. Because of their youth, because of their inexperience, because of all of the things that we want to discount. Recognize God is at work in the hearts of young people. Mary was a virgin. A virgin, which means that she had never had a sexual relationship. She had been pledged to be married, and, and marriage then was not like, quite like it is in our culture today. To be pledged or betrothed was much different. It had a, a, a greater uh, commitment, greater consequences. It wasn't just like an engagement today. It was legal. It was binding. It was a moral contract that, that could only be done away with through a divorce. But the marriage had not yet been consummated. Notice in verse 27, excuse me, 28, says, And coming in, the, the angel said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept wondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why you? Why me? See, we underestimate what God wants to do through us. We underestimate what God wants to do through us. The advent of Christ is a reminder that God wants to work through ordinary people like us. I mean, when, he told, when the angel told Mary that she would be the mother of Jesus, her response was this in verse 34, chapter 1. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. That's what Larry King was asking. Because he knew this was the crux of the matter. This is what it all boils down to. Is Jesus the Son of God? Was he born of a virgin or was he human? Was he humanity like the rest of us or was he the son of God? Born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. See, if Jesus Christ was really born of a virgin, then he is in fact the son of God. I believe that with all my heart. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't know of anyone else who has ever lived and who has died and has been resurrected from the grave. Luke starts off with Caesar Augustus to give us a historical context. We're not talking about some myth, some legend, or folklore. We're talking about an event that is documented in history. And there's no other birth in history like this one. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Luke saw that the work of God's hand in his birth 
You know, it says there in verse 6 of chapter 2, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. This is the account of Jesus' birth. You know, every Christmas, kind of dating myself now, Paul Harvey, he used to tell a story about a skeptical man who, as his family would get ready to go to the Christmas Eve candlelight service, he would tell them, y'all go on ahead of me. Just go on. I, I really don't believe the whole story about God becoming a man, so, so I'll just stay home. And the family left and they went on to the church and he sat down and began to read the paper there in front of the fire and he was sitting there reading the paper and all of a sudden he heard a thump at the door, a thump. It wasn't at the door, it was on the window and he thought, what was that? Pretty soon he heard another one. Well, and what he realized, he got up and he went to check it out and there was birds that were trying to get in out of the cold. And they, they, would, they would hit the window. And he, he had compassion on them, and he, he thought, well, I'm going to go open the barn doors for them. And he went out and opened the barn doors, and they wouldn't go in. So he thought, well, I'm going to turn the light on in the barn, and maybe that'll attract them in. And they wouldn't go in. And the more he tried to reach out to these birds to save them, the more distant they became to him. Finally... He said, I need to let those birds know that I want to save them. I want to get them out of this mess and get them to safety. If I could become a bird for just a moment. And when he had that thought, the church bells rang. And he remembered. And it dawned on him, that's why God had to become a man. To give us salvation that's what christmas is all about him becoming a man why god became human flesh verse 7 says and she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn as we read through this we we recognize these accounts of hope and sometimes it's about how we miss God's work. I mean, the, the Christmas account is an account of, about how easy it is to get busy and miss what God is really doing. I mean, we tend to be so busy that we can miss what God is doing in the world around us. Sometimes we look at it as an inconvenience because that's not what I had planned. God had another plan in mind. So I ask you, what, what's filling your life? The innkeeper had filled his life with business. Business was good and the inn was full. Out of compassion, he offered them a place of, of refuge because he saw Mary was getting close to delivering this baby. But because his focus was on business, he missed the miraculous event of the evening, of that night. I mean, you go over to the temple and look at the Pharisees. They were so focused on the religion. They missed what was happening that night in the stable. at The birth of Jesus. And so I ask you again, what is filling your life? 
What is it that is filling your life? Because what fills our life tends to control our life. What we give control to. You know, researcher George Barna, he said this. He said, for most Americans, the search for the meaning in life continues. Despite our techie sophistication, our political savvy, millions of adults are desperately seeking the keys that will unlock the secrets to achieve significance in life and bring them great fulfillment. As a nation, we are exploring many avenues. Comparatively, few have arrived at what is deemed to be a reasonable and satisfying conclusion. Folks, we are still dealing with unanswered questions. Because we've never put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Is your life filled with satisfaction? Is it filled with fulfillment, meaning, purpose, direction? What is filling your life? What is it that gives you that satisfaction? What's filling your schedule? Whatever it is, it can cause you to miss the impact of what Christ wants to happen in your life at Christmas. Look at verse 8, moving on. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. (laughs) For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I mean, you think about this. The word angel means messenger. The message of the angel was a message of peace. To all people. The word peace is, trans, is, is irony. And what it means is it means to bring together. It means to bring into one wholeness. Our world is plagued by separation. Division. Houses divided. See, when, it, when sin entered into the world in the Garden of Eden... God and man were separated. People were not only separated from God, but they were separated from each other. Jesus came to bring togetherness. To bring us back to God and to bring us back to one another. That's the message of the angel. You can have peace with God. It's a personal relationship. On a day-by-day basis. And you're together with Him. You can have peace with others. I mean, do you need God's grace? Do you need His peace to come in and restore relationships that are broken in your life? Folks, we all need that. We all need that. 
Because relationships are messy. Relationships are hard. Because everybody doesn't see the world the way I do. And you know, that's it. We, we, we work, we strive to make these relationships what they need to be, and we mess them up. That's why we need God. That's why we need a Savior. See, you can have peace with yourself. You can have peace with God. You can have peace of mind. Getting your head together, getting your heart together. See, anxiety means going in a lot of different directions at one time. Makes us anxious. Peace means pulling that anxiety in and bringing it all together. We have peace because of Jesus. Verse 15 says, and I'm almost done. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And, when, and, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. One last account, this one of the shepherds. (laughs) Why shepherds? I mean, why does the birth announcement for the Son of God get to go to the shepherds? I mean, they were outcasts. They were marginalized. They were people that nobody wanted to talk to. That Orthodox Jews considered them unclean. Why shepherds? See, I believe God wanted to tell us that he came into the world for outcasts. He came into the world for people that society doesn't want anything to do with. Praise God that He included me, that He included you, that He includes all of us in that plan. See, without Christ, we are spiritual outcasts. Apart from Christ, we can't be in God's presence. Because whatever we do is not going to be good enough. Our own righteousness does not cut it. We need Jesus. Look at verse 17. It says, When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about Christ. (laughs) They made known the statement. In other words, they spread the word. What happens when you receive great news? You have to share it, don't you? I've been wanting to tell everybody I see about these new grandbabies. Right? Good news. Good news. The top one, Raylan Grace, 
Nathan and Ashley. The bottom one, Emma Jo. Emma Jolene, sorry. Jet and Haley. Both in the last couple of weeks. Three weeks to be exact. The little one on the bottom stayed with us last night. Yeah. Oh, Paul was out there this morning going to Walmart, getting some formula and diapers. You know. But man, what a joy. I want to tell everybody about it. I'm whipping out my phone. I'm, I'm blowing up Facebook. I'm putting it on the big screen. Because I want everybody to know. We spread the word when we receive good news. I mean, are you experiencing an overwhelming joy of Christ in your life? Just Him bubbling up inside? Don't miss what God wants to do. Don't miss. Don't underestimate what He wants to do in your life. I mean, you may feel like an outcast this morning. But remember, it's to these people that God made the first announcement to the birth of Christ. I mean, is there joy in your soul this morning? I mean, things may be going not exactly the way you want them to go. But underneath, there's a sense of joy. You know, you can give thanks for that. It's okay to thank Him for the joy He brings into your life. Others of you are missing that joy. And maybe you've missed the essence of it all. But I have good news for you. There's hope for you today. Joy can be yours through Jesus Christ. That's why he came. Two verses and I'm done. Verse 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. We need to hear that. For behold... I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus at just the right time. I thank you, Father, for having Him come to earth and being wrapped in human flesh, the God-man, living a sinless life and then giving His life on the cross for my sin. I thank you, Father, for bringing me a Savior when I didn't even know I needed one. When I was still dead in my trespasses and sin. You demonstrated your love toward me. And gave me a Savior. Father, I pray that this morning, that that joy would overwhelm us. Father, that we would take our eyes off of our circumstances. And we would put our eyes 
and our trust in Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, Father, we are, we are blessed beyond measure. Father, I pray that if there's someone here who does not have that relationship with you, they've never put their faith and trust in you, that this morning they would do that. I ask, Father, that you would do it for your glory. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you would guide us in this time of response. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.